The Big Red Bench. Come on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JerMcCarthy74. On this week's show, resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to dissect the British Grand Prix and give me all the latest F1 off-track headlines. Cork LGFA senior captain Moral Callan joins the Big Red Bench to preview the Rebels TG Car All-Ireland senior quarter final away to Armagh on Saturday. I also speak to Cork senior manager Shane Ronane ahead of his Cork side's toughest test of the year. Also on this week's bench, I interview Cork LGFA under-16 manager Kieran O'Shea ahead of the Rebels All-Ireland under-16 final clash with Cavan. Finally, I have all the reaction from Croke Park as the Cork senior Camogie team booked their place in the 2023 Glen Dimplex All-Ireland semi-finals following a one-point victory over Kilkenny. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off-track Formula One headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula One analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore. Now, joining me here on the Big Red Bench to review an action-packed British Grand Prix uh, and all the on and off-track headlines that have come from Silverstone over the past weekend is our resident Corks Red FM Formula 1 expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley. Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Good to have you back once again. Okay, there's only one place to start with this British Grand Prix and what happened over the past weekend at Silverstone. It's all Max Verstappen. No, it's not. Um, The man that just drove (laughs) off into the distance uh, and won the race... uh, not 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 unexpected, I think. The big headline coming out of this weekend, I think it's fair to say, Sarah, uh, our McLaren and the revival, then another big step forward for the team, even though their driver doesn't think an awful lot of the car, their main driver, Lando Norris, but this was a, a big weekend for McLaren. Why was that? Yeah, absolutely massive. I mean, they had looked good in Austria previously with the upgrades just on Lando's car, and then this weekend, Oscar Piastri also got a set of upgrades too. And and he he immediately looked quick too. I think it's it's amazing really how quickly the performance turned around. You know, I think Austria maybe looked like it was a bit too early to say that it had made an improvement, but this weekend was just incredible, you know, to have them there qualifying P2, P3, and then also be able to get that set up right and have the race pace is fantastic because often in a period of deep development you have either really good one lap pace or you have good long run pace for a race and they managed to achieve both and it's I think to be fair it's a testament to both drivers that they were both ready as soon as those upgrades came through they were ready to perform because I think it could have been all too easy for them not to take that opportunity. I think particularly um Fair play to Oscar Piastri because he has stayed very calm all year and just came in and just was on it. Um, the biggest roar of the day, obviously, apart from uh, Lando Norris and uh, you know his his uh, his fellow Englishman going you know wheel to wheel towards the end there when they were looking for second place, was the very very start when Norris got ahead of Verstappen. It only took five laps. Uh, by the time the the tyres warmed up and Verstappen was able to get DRS and was able to go past Lando Norris. 
But why is Lando Norris bad mounting the car then straight away? Is it because, you know, coming into the next couple of uh, races that these are not ones that suit the McLaren? So it's maybe he's just, he's just trying to dampen the enthusiasm a little bit because you, we've spoken before, there's been a huge amount of change in the technical team at McLaren. And as you said, these upgrades have had a desired effect at a track that absolutely suits the McLaren because that's where they're based. Mm. But Norris knows what he has and what he hasn't. And I think he was very quick to say the car isn't great afterwards. It's not going to suit us necessarily in the Hungaroring and things to come because of the downforce and mm. whatnot. But McLaren probably, is this more a case of McLaren under pressure, Sarah, to having to do something special in front of the sponsors? That's the whiff that I got out of it. And as good as Piastri and himself drove and as fantastic as the results were, um, the long-term re- kind of regeneration of McLaren is going to take years. It ain't going to happen this year. So was he wise to kind of dampen enthusiasm afterwards or should he just have been riding on the crest of the wave of what he achieved? So I think that's it's fair enough for him to not let people get overexcited. I think particularly because, as you said, they are in the middle of a rebuild. So people have been, you know, McLaren fans have been waiting and waiting for something to materialise and it just hasn't until now. So understandably, they're getting really hyped up about the progress and kind of what might come in the future. But Zach Brown has said it will be next year or the following year that they're targeting, you know, fighting for even championships. And I think that's a fair assessment. I think the rest of this year, if both drivers manage to, you know, get more comfortable with the car, I think it's fair enough for Lando Norris to say, look, I don't love it just yet because it's a car that's very much changed from what it was. So I think that's okay. I wouldn't, you know, if I if I was a, a diehard McLaren fan, I wouldn't be concerned by those comments. I think he's a very, very level-headed guy anyway. And I think, in fairness, he, uh, he managed to keep the expectations kind of fairly level-headed. And I think that's probably not a bad thing. No, it's not. And as you said, it's a fantastic result and we don't want to take away from that because McLaren needed this. They needed the injection of enthusiasm. Mm. They needed a proper positive result. And if it was going to come anywhere, it was going to be Silverstone, as I said, not just because it suits them and they, they practice and that's where they're based, but more so because you got to keep the sponsors happy and this is something that they needed to see that uh, whatever the pathway is over the next two years, that there's there's positivity at the end of it and that they, they can... They, with the right materials, I think Norris could go toe-to-toe with Verstappen, he showed that he didn't show any fear yeah. uh, at the start. He just nope. didn't have the materials and, and the car to stop him. And look, holding him off for five laps is probably a, a bloody success in itself. Uh, can I ask you, as a Lewis Hamilton uh, no, number one fan, how, how good was it to see Hamilton going wheel to wheel? A lot of respect there. I thought maybe too much respect at times when they were dicing. You know, I don't know if we'd have seen that if Max Verstappen had been driving a Red Bull next to Mr. Hamilton, but th- that, that, that dice was about the highlight of the weekend for me. Completely agree. And I think it's interesting to see how, you know, how much camaraderie there is between Lando and Lewis, even after the race, even on social media, you know, Lewis will often, often comment and congratulate Lando on a a performance at any particular time. So I think it's sort of, sort of passing the baton really, because, you know, obviously he's helping George because he's, I suppose, well, helping is probably too strong Mm. a word, but I suppose he's, collaborating with George who is also uh, a young you know British driver in his team but I think I don't know I think there's something about Lando Norris that I you know George Russell is extremely consistent I think Lando Norris maybe has a bit of an edge about him and I wonder whether Lewis kind of sees it and relates to it and kind of that's part of why he engages with him so much I also think it was interesting that both you know, Lewis himself and Zach Brown, I believe, after the race said, you know, we were happy to see Lando 
racing Lewis because we know that's a driver that will give you respect. They didn't have to say that. <laughs> um, there was a you know a pretty strong inference drawn there given the three people that were on the podium. So it's just interesting, you know, reading between the lines of these things. Um, Mercedes turned around a difficult weekend to take a double points finish is your headline. Um, how did they manage to do that and how important was it to hold off the Aston Martins? Huge. I think huge. You know, we, the constructors is pretty much gone, obviously, to Red Bull now, but I think second place is still very much a fight. And I think the the struggles that Aston Martin have had over the last two Grand Prix now have really played into hands of Mercedes, but they looked, I mean, they looked terrible, you know, in free practice. They really did. They were, I think the telemetry was putting them at 17th and 18th for qualifying. I don't really know who they how they pulled off what they did. But, you know, partially as well, of course, Lewis Hamilton was blessed by the safety car, which uh, disadvantaged mm. Oscar Piastri, Piastri. But, you know, he did still have to hold Piastri off at the end of the day. So I think Mercedes won't be, you know, overjoyed necessarily with the with the results. They probably would have felt like they could have done better over the course of the weekend. But Hamilton would be really happy with the home podium. Yeah, and much like McLaren, I think Mercedes probably with Hamilton definitely needed and, and Russell needed to deliver a performance. I thought they were both very smooth over the weekend considering the materials that they didn't have, like a lot of upgrades that McLaren mm. had. We were thinking maybe there would be upgrades. Remember here in Total Wolf Cup about a week or two ago saying the upgrades are coming but maybe not necessarily for Silverstone. I think that's fair. I think they're again playing the long game. I think a lot of a lot of teams know at this stage whether we like to admit it or not it's over in terms of the Constructors' Championship and the yeah. Drivers' Championship, barring, God forbid, a disaster um, or maybe something happening to Verstappen that he's not able to continue. Uh, so it's very much, as you said, bunching in, in behind to try and get that second place and, and have that momentum going into next season. And you, it looked like you'd Aston Martin or Ferrari for a while, but the more I look at it now, Sarah, am I right? Is it Mercedes and McLaren are more likely to, to fill that second place? It's interesting. I suppose Mercedes have kind of been there for the longest, perhaps. I think, you know, the others have sort of fallen off at various periods. I, like I said last week on the podcast, I think Aston Martin are struggling to get a consistent level of performance, especially out of both their drivers. So I think, again, that is going to be key. And yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, Ferrari finished poorly um, this weekend and they're just in the doldrums as per usual we don't know what to make of them I think that those two are an enigma whereas I think momentum is more so with McLaren and then Mercedes will just through pure big-headedness uh and you know grit will will I think hang on in that position yeah I I I don't think there's too many arguments against that case finally somebody we rarely talk about but Alex Albon and his Williams and I was what what I'm gonna let you talk about him now because I know it's a subject that you wanted to bring up but it was it wasn't so much the, the the smoothness of his drive either, but it was his fearlessness in some of the corners and going up against some bigger names. Um, Sarah, I didn't realize at, at one point that this guy I, I know he's a good driver. He wouldn't get the Williams seat otherwise, but a really consistent, composed performance. And you know, you talk about the boost that McLaren and Mercedes got. This is a huge boost for Williams if this guy can can build on this. I mean, and it wasn't just a fluke in the race either because he was there on merit. You know, yes, the two Ferraris had their own problems and what have you, but he still managed to keep both of them at bay. And actually, the that moment towards the end of the race where Carlos Sainz sort of got swallowed up, as you say, Alex Alden was straight in there. He was not afraid to take his chance. And I think that is potentially what, you know, the awful time that he had at Red Bull and at Tararoso at the time would have helped him because he knows that 
nothing is promised in Formula One and he knows that when you get your chance you have to take it and he absolutely did that at the weekend and in fairness to him he was also third fastest <laughs> during one of the, the free practice sessions so he's really really pulling the most out of that Mercy or the the Williams because if you were to see even the pictures of the the underneath of the floor of the car it literally looks like a plank of wood and then you look at you know the cars around him that he's overtaking and outperforming and they've got way more resources so I just think absolutely worth mentioning fantastic performance by by Albon this weekend for Williams. Yes and rightly so and uh, yet again the British GP and us guy go over the top on it because look it's the the, the Union Jack is flying and we're all very excited. Um, and Jamie Lewis is singing for some reason. Oh God okay we do, that's a whole other podcast there I don't even want to get into that. Um, you know, Brad Pitt was around the place I'm surprised we no, Brad Pitt was around at one point I thought maybe they'll, they'll interview him and maybe he'll sing but um Look, the Brits go mad for it's their home Grand Prix. They don't want to leave us obviously any danger of it potentially being. I don't think there is um, being yeah. thrown off the off the twenty four you know track circuit anytime soon. But it was a little bit over the top. I mean, once Verstappen passed Norris, the race was over, and then you were kind of hoping that there'd be a few dices, and there was. But it's not been the most exciting Grand Prix. But because it was in Silverstone, and because there's so much history in Silverstone, and because I love watching Silverstone, I was I was taken in. Normally, that wouldn't necessarily be the case. I mean, again, I think I'm being fair there. I mean, it was a bit much. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, it, I mean, it's always it's always a lot they trot out. I mean, they trot out everyone for for Silverstone, but I think, as you say, just the history kind of it boosts it, and it you know I think it warrants its place on on the calendar definitely. Before we briefly look ahead to the Hungarian Grand Prix, the results from the British Grand Prix, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull won. What a shock. 26 points for him. Lando Norris in the McLaren in second, and Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes in third. Good news for the Brits. And fifth, George Russell. And in between all of that, Oscar Piastri in the McLaren, finishing four twelve points for him. What that means in the driver standings, Max Verstappen now with 10 podiums and 8 wins, 255 points, way ahead, 99 points there of Sergio Perez, his teammate in the Red Bull. Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin still hanging in there, but Lewis Hamilton has closed the gap to him on third place and Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari the Constructors Championship All right, we know who's won it um, at the top Mercedes though have moved ahead of Aston Martin into second place there with their five podiums uh, Aston Martin will be looking for uh, an improve again trying to get a bit of consistency Ferrari as well hanging in there in fourth and McLaren now moving up into fifth um, one thing I was going to ask you actually uh, Sarah just on that Sergio Perez we don't really talk about him we did speak about him on a, on a previous episode just very quickly I didn't think he was at the races at all this weekend. I know his setup didn't go; went kind of against him. I know there was, you know, he had to go come through the crowd and he had to come through the field, so to speak, mm. towards the end of the race. But when you see how far ahead the Red Bull is of every other car, and you see in the hands of a world champion what's capable of it, surely, surely somebody else other than Perez would be scoring a much higher. I mean, two wins is a fantastic return when you're in Verstappen's team. I get it, but five mm. podiums as well, like. Am I wrong? Should should Red Bull be expecting a lot more from this guy? Should he not be at the front, right behind Verstappen every race, blocking off the potential, not that there's any more challengers? But I was just surprised mm. he struggled so much because there was a time there we were talking about him at the start of the season where you and I felt maybe, just maybe, there'd be an internal battle. Mm-hmm. My God, he's fallen off the pace completely. Completely. And, you know, for the fifth time in a row, he failed to reach Q3 in mm. qualifying. And at the end of the day, you're just not going to be able. I mean, even in the fastest car, unless you are someone like a Max Verstappen or a Lewis Hamilton, getting to a podium from way down the grid is just not likely. And I think he just, he seems to have lost it. As you say, I, I don't know 
whether it's to do with you know the the mind games or whatever it may be that happened within the team um or maybe just his the stage of his career that he's in but it's it's a shame because it looks now like Daniel Ricardo is going to replace Nick DeVries at Alpha Terry and there's I mean there's a very clear line there of progression if he mm. if he makes a good go of that he could be back in that second Red Bull seat next to uh, to Max Verstappen next year. Yes, an awful lot to happen, but it's it's not good for Perez, as you said. Like when you're not even making uh, Q3, uh, you know, there, there, there's there's going to be questions asked in the boardroom. The Hungarian ring on Sunday, the 23rd of July at 2 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. We'll see the Hungarian Grand Prix coming up. We'll have a full preview of that ahead of the race. But this track again suits the Red Bull, like most tracks. This is beyond doubt. But who else might it suit, Sarah? Just to finish up. Um, I think it'll be interesting because. We've got, as we said, a couple of different players in that spot, kind of in that group with Mercedes. So I'd actually like to see, I'd like to see a bit more experimentation. I think that there's room for that, given that, you know, the championship is essentially won. I think there's room for them all to sort of throw everything at it, which, you know, they're probably doing already in fairness. So I think we could really see a mix up again. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that, you know, with all these upgrades, it's kind of impossible to say who this is going to suit besides the the Red Bulls. But I think we could potentially see a mix up here again, and hopefully, we'll we'll get some entertainment on a on a more sort of race long basis as opposed to these little little spurts. We live in hope, uh, as ever. Our <laughs> resident Corkshire FM Formula One expert Sarah Mackenzie Foley. Thank you for your time. And where can we find you on social media uh, over the coming weeks? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at MacTweets underscore and I have a video coming out this week. You mentioned Brad Pitt was at Silverstone. I'm going to be talking all about exactly why that was. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube. It's Sarah McKenzie F1. Excellent stuff. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. The Big Red Bench was in Croke Park last Sunday to witness and report on Cork defeating reigning Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Senior Camogie Champion Kilkenny to book a semi-final meeting with Galway. We'll hear from the Kilkenny manager Brian Dowling who was magnanimous in defeat. But first, here is a relieved Cork senior manager Matthew Toomey who was immensely proud of his team's efforts. What are your thoughts immediately after? Relief. Yeah, yeah do you know, like, we, we put ourselves in a great position at the end of the game. Um, there was a few good opportunities yeah. we, we, we flipped up like, and, and you know, that nearly cost us. Um, like we were shouting them to take the points to keep the scoreboard ticking because I think we're five points up yeah. and we two goal opportunities and instead of taking the points we went for goals which would have killed the game which is great but we need to get the scoreboards because you can't put away a team like Kilkenny as we saw um, when they got the goal the crow got behind them and like, it was just a, bit, a small bit of composure from our lads which you know it stood to us um, sort of a slow start and uh, but then you did you know you started opening them up and uh, Probably didn't capitalise. A, a, a bit symptomatic of some of the, a lot of the season for you. Yeah, absolutely. We're, like our conversion rate against the like I haven't got the, the, exactly, but it wasn't good. I, I can tell you that. Like, um, yeah, we started slow. We made a, we were making a lot of silly mistakes. Even our basic errors were, were poor. Um, do you know? But like I suppose we kind of got into a small. We got a bit of momentum when we got the goal, and we, we should have got another two goals again. Like, and, and that's the killer. Like, in, you know, we were lucky to get away with it today. Like. Got some big players back and like you know more minutes on big players. Absolutely, like uh, that. Like you know, I suppose we we were kind of hoping we get him a run, but not in the circumstances we did. Like it was kind of like our backs to the wall at that stage. We had to get him on the field. We had to get some sort of kind of bit of composure out there. Um, 
you know, look, but look, you, all we wanted was the result. You wouldn't be overly happy with the, the, the display, but look, just it was just the result. Like Kilkenny are a fantastic team. Um, like they're, you know, like they showed it out there. Like even you know when things were going wrong, they still had the composure to come back and, and could have snatched the draw. Um, so look, it's just about the result. Irrespective of who you play in the semi-final, how much will this performance bring your players in? Usually, I, I suppose because there was talk about our character out there. You know, after losing semi-finals, no, that's the quarter-final. I know, but like, just just talks about the character. Like, we never questioned the, the, the character of the team. Like, but today, I just thought they, they showed an awful lot of composure. You know, if we can just get a. You know, a top performance because like there's the scores we left behind us. If we can get get you know them converted, you know we'd be hard to beat. But it's, it's up to that. Who you brought on as well? That, that experience with Orla Cronin, that experience with Ashton Thompson, more miles in the legs for them. And you still didn't even use Orla Callan. So there's there's options heading into the semi final. There is, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, and we'll be back choosing night now because we're we're not as straightforward as it is. Like you know, our fifteen has been the same for a while, but that could change you now after today like you know there's a few kind of things we have to look at and a few changes we have to make which was disappointing when uh, Denise got that last goal Matthew I'd say they all hurt uh, bounced a bit that time oh it did big time yeah like, like you could see the writing on the wall but here we go again like you know it's the same as last you know but um, you know we were just happy enough to be, we, we held on um, you know like I, I, I think the, the Kilkenny lads were disappointed with a, a decision then but but, but you know, for a free. Yeah, but to be fair, yeah, but it might have been a free on Katie. I think Kenny would have to be fair and say Cork should have at least have had one penalty. Yeah, that, that's. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Like, but look, I think when the lads look back and they'll probably see that as well. Like, but look, they're a fantastic team, and, and you know, like that was a battle. Good luck in the final. Thank you very much, Nicky. Yeah, it's semi-final. Thanks, Thanks very much. Million, Thank you. Sure, I think Denise Gall epitomises this team, the character she showed there. I don't know how she got in for that goal, the composure she showed. She's got five Cork players behind her, but look. She's been a huge leader and um, she's, she's wore that jersey with pride over a number of years, as of all them girls. Coming down the home straight, she got Kilkenny's second goal as well, only put you two points in it towards the end. Were you thinking that you could get this game to extra time or even win it near the end? Oh, definitely, yeah. Look, I believe in these girls over and over again. I suppose once we got the goal, it was definitely there for us and we, we had chances, you know. There was drop balls there. Steffi had a chance maybe to pass Clarefield and she took the extra touch on her hand and stuff like that. And Look, it was four minutes injury time. There was a minute. I think Cork free to go two minutes. So, you know, I thought it would have been better if I had to, obviously, better for us if it had to be another minute added on but um, look I said it already Cork are a super team Masha Toomey is a great manager great respect for him and um, look we got we got probably lucky breaks last year we thought the game was going away from us so if we got the goal and that's that's sport and it's, it's cruel when you lose but I said look the one thing I said to these girls coming up to, you know, in the meetings during the week and this morning was look just stay fighting for as long as you can whatever happens if we stay doing that that's all we can do and I can't ask him for any more You see it at the very end there you had a couple of words with John Jarmody do you want to elaborate did you feel maybe there was a late free that Kilkenny should have got? It could have been a free but I was more disappointed with the injury time to be honest like you know and say four minutes and then it was a free and it takes a minute and a half to take the free I think there should be another minute added on that's the frustrating thing and I think we were pushing at that stage and I thought maybe we kind of get a score look I don't like to react like that that's not what I do and I apologise for that and look I just frustrated I suppose because we wanted to win and I just felt that we've had to win the ball we might have got another score so it looks just a bit of frustration I know it's a bit early after the final question and all but where does this leave yourself and the Kikenny team now? Jeez oh, I don't know look again I take it one year at a time and reassess things you know my family and then the backroom team and look we'll have to sit down and, and take it up last couple of years I suppose I've been thinking about walking away but I suppose last year the the welcome we got at the homecoming all that kind of stuff just I couldn't walk away from, from the lads and stuff like that but look we'll have to have a serious think now the next couple of weeks and look I'm there five years I suppose the girls probably sick listening to me at this stage and um, look we've had great times and unfortunately you know we've lost I think that's our, our third championship match to lose since 2020 and we've lost them all by a point so you know that'll tell you how the consistency that these girls have shown and um, you know that's, that's the way it is
just one last thing. Uh, champions died with their boots on. I mean, you went out fighting all the way down to the final minute today. This team has been fantastic, not just this year, but under your stewardship over the last five years. You've raised the standards in Kilkenny and been rewarded for it. I know it's very hard to think about it right now, but the pride you have in this particular team and the way that they played today, specifically the way they played, even though they lost, must give you heart for the future. Yeah, I know. You'd be so proud of them, you know. Like, I suppose nobody ever likes to lose any match, but I suppose if you're, if you're going to lose, that's probably the way to do it, you know. Obviously, you don't want to lose by a point, but as you said there, like, they died with their boots on. They stayed going, they stayed going. I think probably people thought the game was over. With six or seven minutes to go, Cork were, were cruising and, you know, we had all the kind of momentum, but we turned it around and we, I think we were, you know, Cork were rattled at the end and, you know, we, we stayed going, we stayed going, and that's what them these girls have done since I've been involved and just so proud of them now that the character that they've shown look it's easy saving you win but you know we have to say it when they lose as well and look again huge credit to Cork um, you know probably since I've been involved Cork gave me the most headaches before a match um, trying to get matchups you know they've pace everywhere and they're trying to nullify threats at different places and um, look great to see Ashton Thompson back on the pitch there and Laura Hayes or you know, Ashton's a super player and you know, we've lost, unfortunately, Marion Welsh and Daniel Morris at Crucius lost Laura Murphy there in the first half. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pity that we can't have the best players on the pitch, but looks good to see the, the girls back there now. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Ahead of Sunday's All-Ireland Under-16A LGFA final in Clane, County Offaly, I sat down with the Cork Under-16 manager, Kieran O'Shea, to review the Rebels' recent superb semi-final win over Dublin, get all the latest news from the Cork camp, and why Cavan will be O'Shea and his players' greatest challenge of the season. Now, joining us on the Big Red Bench, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the Cork LGFA Under-16 manager, Kieran O'Shea, following his and his county's fantastic All-Ireland Under-16 ladies football semi-final win over Dublin 113-35 in Cahir uh, last week. Uh, Kieran, first of all, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Congratulations. Um, it sounded, uh, following it on Twitter and social media and reading about it, it sounded like a hugely exciting game, but you must be incredibly proud of the entire panel to reach an All-Ireland final. Hi, Joe. Uh, yeah, um, it was a very exciting game. Um, very, very proud of the girls. To, you know, I suppose on the night we we just wanted to put in a performance. It's been a long layoff uh, from the month to final, so you know that can be sometimes can go with you or out you. So you know it was it was just, we're just glad to get the game over now. And uh, you know we've we've had a few championship or challenge games you know over the last six or eight weeks, but there's nothing like a championship game to get you back in track. You know. Absolutely, and I suppose that's one of the things about the under sixteen grade. There is that big gap between the provincial championship and then the All Ireland semi finals. Did you learn as much from those challenge games as you did from the training sessions and the lead up to the Dublin game? Well, the the challenge games are they're always good because you're playing, I suppose, different players and and different things happen in the pitch, and you can work on stuff. So from that point of view, it's very good. But you know, it's it's not the same as championship. When I mean, you're playing uh, knockout. 15 v 15 over 60 minutes it's it's completely different to the challenge games you're playing so um, you know uh, the big layoff sometimes it can go with your you know if you've got injuries and stuff you get girls back and stuff players back but um, you know playing champion matches there's nothing like it getting you set up for you know into our Ireland finals you know and we, we definitely got a good test there last night 
you did, as you always do against Dublin, at any underage level in DLGFA. I mean, that's the thing I was going to say to you, Kieran. I mean, you got off to a very, very positive start, but this Dublin team, they just kept coming back like they do over the last couple of years. I've been watching them at underage LGFA level, kept coming back, kept getting scores. But I would I would describe your panel as a resilient one because even though they got a penalty late on, um, you know, uh, Cork had that fine, he still dug deep, he had that late surge again to get over the line you must have been particularly pleased I suppose the fact that one it's a very resilient group that you're looking after all year but also that they don't seem to panic they just they stick to the process and they play right to the end yeah in, in fairness like you know it, it was a very we didn't we knew it was what we were going to get a huge uh, game off Dublin we we didn't under, underestimate him in one bit like and you know there was no complacency in our part um, we knew it was going to be a battle uh, the weather conditions you know Unfortunately, we you know we've had a really good spell of dry weather, and you know the unfortunately that night um, we were it was a, the conditions were very poor, and so you know we knew the game would be different. We knew it'd be very scrappy, um, but I knew the girls had the plenty of fighting them. Um, but yeah, we look we had a few setbacks uh, in the game. It was two penalties, two um, sin bins as well. But in fairness, they they actually rose to they rose to the challenge when it came. You know, um, and uh, we had you know. We have a very good squad of 30 players and girls that came in, that they, they made a huge difference as well. So we're delighted with the performance. Yeah, I was going to mention the two sin biddings because, you know, sometimes when that occurs, teams can, you know, lose their shape, lose their concentration and things things that you haven't planned for like that can go against you, whatever about the number of penalties you concede. You must have been particularly happy, I would imagine, even though you had the late sin biddings, um, that you were able to recover from them and stay in the game. Yes, uh, it was... I suppose at the time, you know, you're 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 trying to react quickly, um, but we were we were trying to stay as calm as we could on sideline and you know make the right calls, and you know, uh, thankfully they went for us um, last night. But um, yeah, there were there were uh, there were there were two tough calls, you know, um, and you know you're always under pressure then, um, especially playing a team with the quality of Dublin, you know. Absolutely, but um, we have to mention Ava O'Donovan, eight points on the night, Kieran. That's a fantastic return in such a in such a high profile game. She's a really talented player, but it wasn't a one-person show because it was a good spread of scores again in the semi-final for you and that's been a hallmark of all your games this year. How happy were you with Ava's performance individually but also the fact that you weren't over-aligned to one player that other players chipped in as well? Yeah, look, um, there's this, this group, there's, there's uh, I, I've seen a lot of the underage girls coming through and this group in particular, the, the forwards that we have, they're outstanding Um you know, a lot of them can kick both feet. Um, like Ava's a, a very good player, um, but we have talented players all over the pitch. And you know, I suppose we've been kind of driving home all year that you know it's it's not about who scores; it's about the team and you know giving the ball to the girl in the right position at all times. That's we that's mentally we've been, I suppose, talking to the girls about. And and in fairness, them they've they've kind of come on board because they're they're coming from club football, and you know they're probably the main players in their their club, and they're coming in here to set up and they're meeting players their own level so it is a lot about the team and in fairness all the girls are buying into it and there was girls there last night that mightn't have scored but they put in a huge chip for us and you know we recognise that as well so yeah um, Ava, Ava did, did very well last night got some lovely scores 
Yeah, and you mentioned just finally on the squad itself, the Cork squad, Bishopstown, Aaronzona, Donovan Rossa, Island Rovers, Mornabi, um, Ahada, St. Michael's, um, Douglas, Grenat, Drum Tariff. I mean, there's such a spread of players from all four divisions this year, Kieran. It was a hallmark, I think, of the, it's a long time ago now you're going back to, but the trial process just to make this squad, I keep emphasising it when I talk about Cork ladies football. There's so much interest and there's so much competition just to get on those panels, 14, 16, minor. You've seen it better than I have. Um, but the fact that you've got so many different players from so many different clubs, you have met you and your management team have done a fantastic job in meshing them together, merging them and getting them to an all earn final. I mean, the fact, it doesn't matter where they come from as long as they're good enough, but the fact that there's so many different club players involved, it must give you extra, and, and your management team, extra satisfaction to reach an all earn final on the back of that. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I, we talked about it before the game um, last night and, and all we wanted to do was put in performance and, you know, I said to the girls, don't come off the field without any regrets. And, like, you know, if you think back to the trial process, like, we started with nearly 400 girls for trials um, down to panel at 30. Like, it's it's a mammoth task, but um, in fairness, them, they've, they've bonded together very well and, you know, we've had a few, a couple of uh, activity days where, we did a bit of team bonding and stuff and you know we've had a few trips as well and buses and that's all part of the whole journey I suppose you know getting to the All-Ireland final now is you know that's the whole part of the journey and I suppose we've one more step now and hopefully we can um, do the business in Sunday week you know Yes, Sunday week. We have a date, Sunday the 16th of July, for the Under-16A All-Ireland Final between Cork and Cavan. We don't have a venue at the time of recording, but irrespective of where that game goes ahead, that final goes ahead, Kieran, you know you're facing a very, very talented Cavan team because you saw them beat Mayo in the semi-finals. What impressed you most about the Ulster champions? Uh, look, they're, they're a serious side. Um, I mean, Cavan, uh, lace up on Cavan is, is huge. Um, I know already this year they... They played in the second schools competition and uh, beat Cork very well in the final of that. Um, they've got a very talented team. They're a very strong, physical, powerful team. Um, and, you know, I mean, Mayo, we had seen Mayo play as well and, and Mayo were a top, top team and, you know, Cavan beaten by six points. So, you know, we're under no illusions of what we're facing in Sunday week. You know, it's going to be a mammoth task and a, and a huge battle, you know. Indeed, it is Kieran O'Shea, the Cork LGF Under 16 manager. But you've done fantastically well to you and your management team to guide this really talented team to an All Ireland final in one of the most competitive age grades, underage or adult in the LGFA. Following that fantastic All Ireland semi final victory at a rain sodden car, care, sorry, uh, over Dublin, 113 to 35. We will talk to you again, hopefully, just before that All Ireland final in a couple of weeks' time when you take on Cavan. But on behalf of everybody here at Cork Stride FM's Big Red Bench, congratulations to you and your team on reaching the All-Iron Final and all the best against Kevin in the decider. Thanks very much, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks again. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork LGFA senior captain Anne Mornabi's Maura O'Callaghan spoke to me on this week's Big Red Bench ahead of the Rebels TG Car All-Ireland Senior Quarter Final away to Armagh. The Cork captain reviewed her side's recent eight-goal win over Tipperary and gave an update on the Cork squad's preparations. We'll also hear from Cork AGFA senior manager Shane Ronane ahead of Cork's trip to the Boxed Athletic Grounds in Armagh and all the logistics behind such a long journey plus an injury update ahead of Saturday's quarter final. But first, here's the Cork AGFA senior captain, Maura Callan. 
Now, joining me here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM is the Cork LGFA senior football captain from the Moran Abbey Club, Mara O'Callan, ahead of the Rebels TG Gar All-Ireland Senior Football Championship quarterfinal clash away to Armagh in Armagh on Saturday. Mara, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Before we talk about football and before we talk about the challenge that is in front of you and your, your Cork teammates, can I ask you about logistics? Because this is quite the journey from Cork all the way up to Armagh and the Box IT uh, Athletic Grounds in Armagh. Um, there's a bit of work involved in getting the team there and I believe you're, you're, you're stopping overnight beforehand. But just from the captain's point of view, how important is it, you know, under such a long distance to go before you even kick a ball that, first of all, you do it right and then that everybody's minds are firmly focused on the match but by going up the night before, this really gives you a good chance uh, t- to be ready to meet the challenge that Armagh are going are to give. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. You hit the nail on the head there with, I suppose, to get the best preparation as possible for such a journey like that. Um, you're really looking at going up the, the day before. Um, you know, you couldn't, it would be very difficult um, to do that on the same day, especially with the game at half three. We'd still have a really early start um, if we were to do it on the same day. So especially, I suppose, you know, we've a lot of girls from West Cork as well. So that would even add even longer journeys to it. So look, we're, we're going up the night before and I suppose we're we're very lucky. We're in a position that, you know, um, we have that option that, you know, we're being backed by the county board as well, you know, and they're putting, I suppose, us up in the hotel. Like, so we don't take that for granted, you know, not every county would have that option. So look, we are very lucky that we're able to have the best possible preparation in that sense and that we're getting, you know, the main bulk of the journey out of the way coming up on the Friday and then you know it's just kind of nearly a typical kind of probably about an hour or whatever maybe and the the day of then which you nearly wouldn't mind because you know you're it's keeping you a bit busy before our game as well then so we're very happy with that since with regards to preparations that will be for us on Saturday. Um, you would have experienced with your Moran Abbey teammates of something like this I would imagine in the past of winning All-Ireland and club at club level the journey up is just is important in terms of bonding. And I know you stayed on after the Galway game the last day. The result didn't go your way, but how important was it for the younger members of the panel, you know, to mix with the more established players like yourself? Obviously a disappointing result, but that bonding that is so vital uh, to building a team and a successful team, you know, you've seen the benefit of it with Morn Abbey and you've, you've experienced it, but how important is it that, you know, you help the younger players who are new to this inter-county panel that wouldn't have done that before after the Galway game, sticking together, going out together and now going again, as you said, the day before taking on Armagh? Yeah, it's really important. I mean, you know, I suppose given the, the change in personnel we had this year as well with the panel, you know, a lot of new girls came on board. So like we have, we have had a lot of different, you know, bonding events where we're trying, you know, we're spending as much time together as possible, you know, because we want to all obviously get to know each other as best we can. And I think we're in a, you know, we're in a very good place um, at this point now and that we all are very, we get on very well and we do have a really good group. Um, but that is, you know, from doing those things, like you said, you know, spending more time together that we don't just have to spend together, you know, I suppose, like we're choosing to spend time with each other as well. And then obviously with the journey up, as you said, and staying behind, staying together afterwards and Galway was really really good too because I suppose you know we were all a bit disappointed after our performance that day so it was good to I suppose just sit with it um, together and then just draw a line in the sand and you know move on from it so all those days out and um, activities like that really do as you say bring in the bonding element of it and we are really enjoying each other's company and getting on really well and like I feel like it's you'd nearly forget sometimes the wide range of ages there are you know everyone does just get on very well together and 
you know, I some of the girls like Katie Burke, for example, I can't get over, you know, how young she still is. You know, everyone just kind of just really meshes well together. Yeah, I won't ask any more questions about the bonding sessions because I've seen some of the Instagram posts. It's clear that you're all getting on very well and we'll just leave it at that, Mara. We'll raise the captain, I think that's fair to say. Um, you put the ball in the back of the net in that fantastic victory over Tipperary in the previous round. Um, five goals in the opening first quarter of an hour was a sensational start from Cork. Eight goals in total against a decent, uh, more than decent Tipperary team that's given you plenty of of problems in the past, Maura. I guess the question I have is not so much because we've covered, you know, the performance was excellent, the result was important, but has there been, to me, there's been a noticeable increase in the physicality, there's a noticeable increase in the sharpness of you and the other Cork players. How how impactful has the training been since that Galway defeat? Because it looks to me in that temporary result, not the, not the final score, but the performance rather, not the result, is proof positive that you've taken it up a notch or two in training. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, like that's definitely a fair comment, sure. Um, I suppose the loss to Galway did really kind of hammer home to us that, you know, we've no more second chances after that day and that we really did um, need to make sure that we just had no regrets. I think I said it to you before, but like that we were just getting the best out of ourselves. And also I know we've had, I suppose, a number of unfortunate injuries, but like we still do have an extremely strong panel. Um, so like there's a there is a bite in training, you know, people are fighting for um to get on the fifteen and then the twenty and then the panel. So like despite the injuries there still is a serious, you know, competitiveness there also, which is really good because it drives everyone on and I think we are reaping the benefits of that I suppose in our temporary performance as well. Um and I do think as well, you know, you are coming into where you want to be peaking. So I think the uh, management have put a lot of thought into that you know that planning and making sure that you know we are reaching our pitch when we should be so hopefully that form will continue now for the last um bit of the championship I suppose. Yeah as you said uh, you travel up to Armagh on Saturday to take on a side uh, it's it's do or die now there's no there's no back door it's not out all the way um obviously this is an Armagh team that you've obviously heard about and seen and you would have come across before but they're division two champions Mara, and they did that without losing a game that was eight wins out of eight they also uh, lost out an Ulster final but they bounced back by beating Leash again who they beat in the league final and then they went up they took on and beat Mayo uh, I mean a battle hardened Mayo team Amy Mackin is obviously the name on everyone's lips and you're going to be coming across or you'll be in the same part of the pitch as her at some stage. So you know the challenge that you and your defence face. But this is far from an Amy Mackin team. I mean, there's Kelly Mallon, there's Claude McCambridge, there's Blaine Mackin, I mean, and Shane McCormick, the manager, he has them humming at the moment. So look, it this is really, and we're not trying to just big up our man here for the sake of it, this is really a team that's in form, playing at home. You've got to hit the ground running. But I would imagine you've taken confidence from what you saw in the Tipperary performance and in the trainings and then as you've just very, very uh, clearly outlined there, the Cork team is in a good place too. And going up to Armagh with that, nothing else in your head, but a victory is all that matters. This is going to be the biggest test of the year for you, but you seem like you're in good shape. Yeah, absolutely, Jar. I mean, you know, we are taking great confidence, I suppose, from the fact that we had a good win against Tip. Um, but you know that's behind us now so we'll be happy I suppose that we're reaching a bit of momentum but we're definitely very aware of the challenge um, that we're facing now against Armagh um, as you said they are in really good form at the moment you know they, they had two great wins in the group stages um, especially I suppose against Mayo which have went really down to the wire and they are able to you know 
carve out a victory for themselves. So like that will really stand to them as well. So we definitely are very aware of um, the task that it will be. And as you said, also like they're a very balanced team. I know I suppose the Mackins probably would get a lot of the headlines, but you know, there's a lot of um, really, really talented girls on that team. And I, I actually think the last time, we haven't met them many times in championship. I think it was 2019 we last um, played them and, you know, they came out the right side of that. So, look, we definitely aren't going to be taking anything for granted. Um, so we know that, I suppose, we have to bring the same form, the same bite that we had against Tipperary and, and bring it up a notch then again. Indeed, bringing it up a notch. Just finally, Mara, you spoke, we, we alluded to there, there are some injury concerns going into the game for Cork, but you have had enough injuries to last a career and a half. You seem injury-free. You were moving very freely against Tipperary, so much so now that you've added goal scoring to your uh, your repertoire. I assume your manager reminded you that he'll need another goal off you again the next day. Is that correct? <laughs> That's the criteria now going forward. <laughs> the goal per game. But you are injury free. It's great to see you moving at full pelt again because as I said, like you've come back from enough injuries and it must be great for you personally just to be able to go out on that pitch as free as you as fit as you possibly can be at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful that, you know, I, I am injury free and you know that I I suppose I was I was lucky in the sense that any of the injuries I have weren't, you know, year ending. So, you know, I'm very aware that while I I was unlucky I'm also lucky in the sense of you know there's some girls who you know can't talk out now for the rest of the year so look I'm just delighted to be finding a bit of a bit of form now coming into the business end of the championship the business end of the championship indeed this Saturday the TT Cahar All-Ireland LGFA Senior Football Championship quarter final at Boxit Stadium uh, the Athletic Grounds in Armagh half past three Armagh versus Cork from everybody here on Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench Mara Kelly and the Cork captain we wish you and the entire panel all the best and we look forward to talking to you again quite soon Thanks Melinda Now joining me here on the Big Red Bench to preview uh, this weekend's TG Cahar All-Ireland Senior LGFA Championship quarter final between Armagh and Cork which takes place at the Box It Athletic Grounds in Armagh on Saturday the 15th of July with a 3.30pm drone is the Cork Senior Manager Shane Renane. Shane you're very welcome back to the bench. Uh, simple question to start. How are preparations going ahead of what's going to be a really big test for you? Yeah, Jor, uh, look, we, we're very happy, I suppose, with the way things have gone there the last, since, since the Tipperary game. Um, you know, very focused, the players are. They realise that they put in a great performance the last day, but I suppose, look, it's no more than the, they had a great performance in the Munster final and didn't play well against Galway. So I suppose it's just about getting that consistency in our performance. And uh, that's something we really focused on um, in, in the last few nights of training. And I think their the mood is very good. They're very determined, I suppose, to... Progressing this championship, you know, quarterfinal stage last year was where we got knocked out. So, so they're very determined to to go at least one step better this year. Um, were you you were pleased with the performance against Tipperary down in Clonakilty? Um, the last time when you won eight twelve to two three. I mean, you blitzed them very early on. Were you surprised at the number of goals that this team scored, or had you sensed in the week coming into it that like the team was really coming together and that the determination was there? Yeah, look, I suppose that training, you know, we, we've got such good defenders. It's often uh, the, our forwards struggle to, to put away a chance of maybe a training or don't get the opportunities. But we'd always be of the opinion that, you know, if we if we can keep playing like the we, we train, then, you know, we're going to create lots of opportunities. And I think, I suppose, something we've really worked on is the player uh, taking the right option, you know, in front of goal and not, not taking the shot themselves if that's not the right option. I think our... I think our option taking up front uh, against Tipperary was, was fantastic. Um, you know, and to, to have 
13 scores, uh, you know, seven different goal scorers. You know, I think that's, there, there isn't too many teams out there who, who have done that. So, look, we'd be very, very happy with that. And, I, and especially, I think, with the options that the that the players took, you know, I think they're, they're taking ownership of that then as well. They realise that the best player in the in, in the best position should get the ball. And, you know, and I think that's that's very, very important. But that that's taken a lot of work too because, look, players are, you know, the, the players need, need to, I suppose, understand the importance of that. And I think, look, players are beginning to do it. Um, this weekend you take on an Armagh team I know that you would know well and your management team would know well from analysing them but you know they beat beating Mayo 2-10-1-11 last time out the Mackins are the names that pop up on everyone's lips when you start talking about Armagh and rightly so but this is far from just a Mackin show and this is a very very well prepared team and a very hard team to break down defensively Shane is how I put it to you but this type of defensive system and ability to break it at speed is not something you haven't seen before this season but this is a real real this is your biggest test of the year yeah look they're they're an extremely good team look we we all know about the Mackins but like the, the Kelly Mallon their captain excellent player up front uh, you know Lauren McConville you know leads everything from, from, from centre half back you know they have um, Claude McCambridge is a very imposing fullback. You know, and they have lots of other good players all over the field. And look, they've got options off the bench as well. And I think they were, look, they were very impressive all year in the, in the Division Two campaign. They blitzed everybody. Um, you know, uh, I suppose they came a cropper in the in the Ulster final. You know, maybe Donegal caught them on the hop. They had beaten Donegal very comprehensively. And if you see what Donegal has done since, that makes those that performance against Donegal earlier on in the championship very more impressive. Look against Mayo the last year. I just thought they were, they kept, they stuck with it. They were five points down in half time. You know, game game maybe looked over for from a lot of people's perspective, but they stuck at it, led. Then they actually Mayo pegged them back again, and they still managed to dig it out at the end. So, look, we know that up, you know, especially going up there, that they're they're a seriously good team, and you know, they've got loads of pace in that team. They will have, they will, they will be set up very well. You know, Shane McCormick is a is an excellent manager, a very good coach, and I think. They're, I suppose, they're going the right direction. Look, you know, the way same with Kerry last year. Kerry won Division Two, previous year Mead won Division Two. Both of those ended up in All Ireland finals. Mead ended up winning it, and Kerry ended up in the All Ireland finals. So, coming from Division Two, it doesn't seem to be um, hampering teams. You know, if they get on that winning run, and I think winning winning games is important. I think that this Armagh team, you know, have only you know experienced defeat once this year. So that that that's a huge thing for them. Talk to me about the logistics of such a long trip. I know you always plan your away trips meticulously, but this is a particularly long one up to Armagh. Um, what's the extra time and effort that's needed now to, to get this right to make sure that you arrive in the best possible shape? Yeah, look, uh, look, we we have very good people working behind the scenes, and look, the county board are you know fully supportive of whatever we need to do. So there's no, I suppose, no expense spared that way. Like so, Joe, look, we're we're travelling up on Friday Friday afternoon. Look, and I suppose that's. Fairness, the players have to take a half day from work. Who do those who aren't who aren't teaching and not who aren't students? I suppose will have to take a half day from work. So look, that's that's a you know a drawback in the guard as well. But look, they're they're willing to do it, and I suppose look, we'll we'll be up there on on we'll we'll go as far as maybe Dundalk on 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 Friday night. And look at I think the, the timing of the match the next day is ideal. It's not too early. It's not too late. You know, bang smack bang in the middle of the day for us. So look, we'll be. Uh, We'll be very ready. Look, the players are, you know, a lot of them are used to, you know, having made those trips before. Um, and I think maybe the fact that we uh, overnighted in Galway after the after we got beaten by Galway will also help the fact that some of those younger players who hadn't stayed away from home will stay with with a team before, you know, had that experience. Um, so look, everything has been put in place by the people behind the scenes, like Sheila Dennehy or our female liaison officer is fantastic at organising that stuff. Johnny Holland, the 
nutritionists, they've all the meals planned for us. And, you know, as I said, the county board, said by Marion Crowley, have been unbelievably supportive. Excellent stuff. On Saturday, the 15th of July, 2023, the TG Cahar All-Ireland Senior Championship quarter final at the Boxit Athletic Grounds in Armagh with a 3.30pm throne. It's Cork versus Armagh. On behalf of everybody here at Cork Street FM, Big Red Bench, as ever, Shane Renan, all the best to you and the players. Thanks very much, Joe. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm With Sure 72 hour non-stop protection Tested to the limits Sure It won't let you down